welcome to The Happy Writer. This is a podcast that aims to bring readers more books to enjoy and to help authors find more joy in their writing. I'm your host, Marissa Meyer, and today I happen to be joined by two special co-hosts for the very first time. Please welcome my beautiful daughters. Uh, would you girls like to introduce yourselves and your buddies that you have here? Um. Hi, my name is Sloan, and this is my buddy, Ashley. She mostly likes to hang upside down. And, and she's a fingerling, is that right? she's a fingerling, <laughs> and she's also a unicorn that will move her eyes and talk to you, and she'll also move your head, move her head. Okay, Sloan, <laughs> <laughs> let me go ahead. My name's Delaney, and this is my buddy, Minty. And his favorite things to eat is bubblegum mint. And he is a monkey fingerling, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the girls are joining me today because this is our first episode in which we get to talk to a very prolific picture book author. And as a family, we have been reading a bunch of books from her series, and we have all loved them. So I thought it would be fun for the girls to come on the show and ask some of their own questions. Um, it just so happens that that is the thing that's making me happy today, getting to have my girls join me, even though right now they're both acting very shy and nervous, but they'll warm up, I think. <laughs> um, so girls, I, I usually start every episode by talking about one thing that's making me happy. Would you like to share one thing that's making you happy? Um. Yeah, I love drawing and playing with my fingerlings, so that's what makes me happy, but I also like mommy reading aloud to me. <laughs> Delaney, what's one thing that's making you happy today? That I get to draw. <laughs> Are you going to be drawing when mommy lets you have a break from this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And we are, of course, so happy to be talking to today's guest. She is the best-selling author of dozens of books for kids and young readers, including plenty of nonfiction books and biographies, a number of joke books. But perhaps most notably, she's the author of the Night Before series. Her latest release, The Night Before the Wedding, just came out earlier this month. Please welcome Natasha Wing. Hello, everybody, and welcome, girls. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> it's funny, we practiced a couple times before, and they were much louder. They've gotten shy all of a sudden. <laughs> I was a very shy kid when I was your age. I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They go through periods when something is brand new, then they get quiet and introverted, but then as soon as they get going, that all goes away, doesn't it, <laughs> Or as soon as you shut off the... Um, <laughs> yes, the no, as soon as we're done yeah. here, they'll be bouncing off the walls. And how did we do, Mom? That was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Natasha, as I said, you are my very first picture book author, and I'm super excited to talk to you about your books and your process. Um, so before we get to the girls' questions, why don't we start with you telling listeners a little bit about your Night Before series and kind of what is the premise for it? 
Okay. Well, um, the Night Before series is based on the classic The Night Before Christmas. And it came, that story came out in 1823. So in a couple of years, it's going to be 200 years old. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so, I didn't know that. Yes. And um, so it's been around for generations. And that's what I was tapping into with this series is that people were familiar with um, a beloved story. And I wanted to springboard off of that and apply it to other holidays and other big events in kids' lives, you know, like losing their first tooth or going to kindergarten. But that is the book that inspired the entire series. Um, it originally oh, was raising going... her hand. You, you want to comment on that tooth comment, don't you? Go ahead, honey. I got another really tooth and me and Susie already lost one. Oh, oh, you're at the age. That's why. <laughs> yeah, we have your yeah. your night before the Tooth Fairy book, and it has been one of the favorites. Oh, um, oh. I, I, I lost a tooth, but I don't have another wiggly one yet. Oh, <laughs> well, there's, uh, you're going to lose all of them eventually. So <laughs> the Tooth Fairy will be coming to visit again. <laughs> Yeah, so so this series, actually, the the interesting part is that it was only going to be a one-up story. And my first one, The Night Before Easter, I wrote because I love Easter. So when I was younger, my very first um, stuffed animal was the Easter bunny. And um, it was named Boing Boing. It was actually a little white bunny. And then when I was in my 20s, I had a lop-eared rabbit. So I love bunnies and, and Easter and springtime. So when I thought about this idea of being excited to be um, anticipating the arrival of, of the Easter bunny, it felt like the night before Christmas to me, like waiting for Santa Claus. So that's where I thought of the idea of just uh, working off of that structure of the story, but just updating it and twisting it to the holiday. And um, it was only going to be one book and then it did well. And my um, editor, Jane O'Connor is uh, actually, she's still my editor after all these years. Oh, wow. Um, That's unusual. It's very unusual. And the good thing about her is she's also a writer. She wrote all the Fancy Nancy books. And so oh, she... we love Fancy Nancy, don't we, we girls? <laughs> That's my <laughs> editor. <laughs> one thing, I remember we reading a Fancy Nancy book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love, <laughs> I love the... Um, her enthusiasm and her character. So Jane is my partner in as far as like trying to um, figure out what story to do next and figuring out, you know, what the storyline should be. So it's really great working with her because she is a writer and she like gets the process. So um, Jane was very astute in seeing that this one little Easter story could possibly turn into a series. And that's exactly what happened. So it was because of her <laughs> that it, it grew and grew and grew. And now there's like 26 or seven of them now. Oh, I was going to ask how many, because the, the back page shows a bunch of covers. It's amazing how much it's grown and how many books are that you've done now in this series. Yeah, the covers keep getting smaller and smaller as we keep adding new yes. ones. <laughs> Yeah, in the back, there's it's 24. So then you count the book that is in your hands as the next one. So that's 25. And then I have The Night Before the Dentist coming out this year. And then 
with the artist right now is the night before second grade. <gasps> second grade is coming up, mm-hmm. girls. <laughs> 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 well, we that's the night before first grade because you girls are going into first grade later this year oh I think Uh, the timing will be perfect then I know so speaking of Sloan you had a question about this book the night before first grade do you remember what your question was why did you make twins in that book oh you know I (laughs) Ever since I was younger and, you know, you talk with your girlfriends about, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to marry, you know, this kind of guy and with blue eyes and black hair and stuff like that. And I want so many kids, blah, blah, blah. And I just remember always saying I wanted twins. And I just thought it was so cool. I thought it'd be so cool to have, you know, two kids at the same time, and they would like be best buddies and understand each other. I just like the idea of twins. So I never had children, unfortunately, but um, I still kind of held on to the idea of wishing I had twins. And so I tried to get them into a story. And I thought this one was a really um, good story to introduce them because it's like a a funny um, twist to the two girls being separated. But but they both made friends with twins. And then when they got together, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, (laughs) our friends, our friends, new friends are twins. And then um, my sister's name is Nina. So I rhymed it with Tina, which is my aunt's name. So everything just kind of fit together. Oh, I love that. And I thought it was a really fun twist. Um, Not only because of course, the girls are twins. And so whenever (laughs) we see twins, we get really excited. Uh, but it was just so clever that the way that that story kind of worked out with that neat little surprise at the end. Yeah. And that's what Jane and I always try to do is we we want to have like a little fun little twist at the end. Just so, mm-hmm. you know, because you're familiar with the night before Christmas, so you know how it's going to end. So this one, I wanted to have like a little fun twist. And so the twins were it. So that's cool that you recognize that and you can relate to it. Yeah, I thought the little twist at the end of the Tooth Fairy one was also super, super cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, go ahead, Sloan. You had a question. Um, how did you make the um the night the the night before the snow day? How did you? Oh. Make well, that one, since I live in Colorado, it snows a lot. <laughs> and um, the kids do get a lot of snow days at school here. And it could snow from October till May. And um, so I was just thinking of all those kids and who wanted to have a few days off of school. <laughs> and I remember when I grew up in Connecticut, when um, we had snow days, oh my gosh, it was so much fun. And we would just pray that the snowplow wouldn't come and clear the streets so that we could make snowmen and go sledding. So that's where the idea for the snow day came from. It is one of those bright childhood memories that always seemed super magical. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, and we would only get snow a couple days out of the year. And then it would like immediately rain and turn slushy. So we were you know, lucky if we got one or two school days usually. And so it was just this, you know, so much excitement. Like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And then to wake up and see the world all white and pristine. I just remember that feeling so clearly. 
Yeah. And that, that is the thing about snow. It's so magical. And um, my birthday's in February, so I'm a winter baby. And so I, I loved having snow on my birthday and I, I would actually pray for it and wish for it so that we can have a snow day and my birthday on the same day. <laughs> no kidding. What's your birthday? February 7th. Nice. I am February 19th. Oh, my. <laughs> February is the best month. It is a good month. I know. <laughs> Not that I think there's like particularly bad months, but. No. <laughs> well, if you think of all the fun stuff in February, though, you've got Groundhog Day, you've got Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year. Valentine's. President, Valentine's, President's Day, Leap Year Day. All right. Delaney, did you want to go ahead and ask one of your questions? Uh-huh. Um. How did you make the picture so pretty? Oh, well, I wish I could take credit for that because um, I have a secret desire to be an illustrator of one of my own books someday. So I am practicing doing watercolors, but I just write the words. So there's another person who does the illustrations and it's up to that person to take my words and trying to figure out how am I going to make the characters look? How am I going to make um the clothes look and the setting so it, I have to give all the credit to my illustrator and then you also wanted to ask about inspiration how how did you make the inspirations I don't know that that's a real question honey I think you you wanted to ask um where does your inspiration come from yeah for the for the night before series you mean or just any book any book any book oh my gosh well hmm. they come from all different places so the night before series obviously comes from the night before christmas that was my inspiration for those but I've also done some nonfiction books and um, one of them is called an eye for color and Joseph Albers actually used to be a neighbor of mine when I lived in Connecticut. So I remember um, seeing him walk up and down our street with um, his little beret on and we'd always say hello. And then years later, when I was in college, I went to an art gallery and I saw his name next to a piece of art. And I'm like, I know that guy. I used to live down the street from him. Oh, how so, cool. Yeah. So it was all the curiosity of how did he get so famous that his paintings are in this museum? So I did some research about that. And um, other inspirations come from dreams. Like um, my sister and I used to share a bedroom on a second floor um, of our house in Connecticut. And I had a wild imagination. And back then I loved dinosaurs. But I also... You too. I <laughs> They are just so cool. I wanted to be a paleontologist, actually, and dig up dinosaurs at one time in my life. But um, what happened is I realized I didn't like getting my fingers dirty. So I didn't want to work at a dig. You know? Right. <laughs> it seems like a lot of hard, tedious work when you really think about it. Oh, yeah. When you see it on Nat Geo, it's all like, oh, my gosh, they just started yesterday and today they found bones. But right. no. <laughs> they were there for five like, years. Yes, um when I was a baby I did not like getting my hands my hands messy I wanted to go and wash them straight away when I got messy I know how you feel <laughs> <laughs> and I and her sister would get muddy and dirty no problem but Sloan was 
you were ready to get cleaned up immediately. Yep. <laughs> well, I live two blocks from the beach and I'd have, I'd get sandy a lot too. And the same thing is like, Oh, get that sand off my yeah. hands. I just wipe them off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, girls, I can tell you are getting antsy. So you go color for a little while and I'll call you back when I need you. Okay. Good job, girls. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> good question. Um, thank you for letting, for, uh, Letting me experiment on you, by the way, with my co-host today. <laughs> hey, when I do school visits with kindergartners, you have to be ready for everything. <laughs> that <laughs> so. is true. So true. But they do ask fun questions at this age, oh, things yeah. that you wouldn't think of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to know, so now we're going to get a little bit more serious, nitty gritty author mm -hmm. talk. <laughs> okay. Um, so... I feel like writing picture books is one of the most difficult writing forms out there. Um, and maybe because that's, I've, because I've tried and failed spectacularly. <laughs> well, um, it seems simple, right? Because they're so short, like it's less than 500 words. How hard could it be? And yet it is actually really difficult trying to distill a story into so little space. So do you feel that way? Do you feel like picture books are one of the most difficult forms of writing or is it something that kind of comes naturally to you? Well, it's the form I've been doing since the beginning. So I don't think of it as difficult. The, the time it got probably a little bit more difficult is when publishers started to say we want 500 words or less because before like mm. I never did I never did grade leveling I never did word counts I never paid attention to those things I just wrote the story and then you know of course through my critique group we would cut back here and there and then you know whittle it down so I never put those restrictions on myself but now when we start hearing more that they need five words or less it's like you know mm -hmm. oh no the publishers wanted 500 words or less so then that's where I was feeling a little bit more restricted and and having to be pickier about what words I would leave in and and then which sections or scenes I would take out so um it, it's hard in that you have to keep distilling <laughs> but mm -hmm. by but by distilling you get more to the core of it and then once you just present a real simple sentence that you don't tell the illustrator he was wearing a blue coat and he had blonde hair and he spoke a certain way, you're going to let the illustrator like open up their talent and let their imagination soar. And then they might go ahead and add their own little um, subplot or sub storyline in the illustrations that'll add more depth. So it's a little give and take. And, you know, as the writer who starts off the whole process, typically, you know, by creating the story, um, it's hard at first to give it up. But then when you see what comes back in the illustrator's interpretation, you're just like, wow, I never would have thought that. So you have this respect for the creative process that it's going to be even better than what you imagined. How much collaboration happens with the illustrator? Like when you finish the script and you pass it off to the illustrator, 
are you done or does it ever come back to you now that there's some artwork involved and then you continue to tweak and make changes? Like how, how does that process work? Um, well, when I started my career, I was pretty much left out and I, um, they would just have the, the um, author write the words, then they'd find the artist and the artist would do their thing. And then I would get a book. I would never see anything in between. Um, but as I have been in the, you know, in the business longer and have more relationships with editors, um, sometimes I get asked my input on illustrators, like, you know, rank one to three, which ones you like the best kind of thing. Mm. They may not pick the person, but at least they kind of can see what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And other times with the night befores, I'll get to see, you know, the in-between editing where they've already paged things out. So I get to see the art notes and where they're going with the idea. Um, Occasionally I'll see some dummies. So I'm a little bit involved, but a lot of time, a lot of the time, what they would rather you do (laughs) is just um, kick back and let the illustrator do their thing. Mm -hmm. Unless there's something glaring, like there was one um, incident in the night before Thanksgiving where I don't know where the illustrator lived, but the grass in the trees were green during the fall. And so I'm like, well, you know, not where I live. They're kind of brown. (laughs) So she had to, you know, alter the color of everything on those pages. But, um, you know, little stuff like that I'm able to catch. But typically I'm not part of the process. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So you've now written so many books. You're, I don't know how many, I assume decades into your career. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your process has changed over time or, and, or do you feel like it's gotten easier to write a picture book? Do you need to go through fewer revisions, fewer edits as, as you've now written so many, or is every book kind of its own unique challenge? Yes. Every book is its own unique challenge outside of the night before books. So the night before we're pretty much tapped into a structure um, we, we have an idea of where it's going to go. So those to me come very easily. And I love the rhyme. Um, I tend to think of it as music. So, you know, during the day, I'll just start like rhyming, you know, he, we, she, you know, just little mm-hmm. words will come to my mind. So it's almost like I'm doing a little rap or something. <laughs> and, you know, so with those, you know, I, I'm pretty much, I know what I'm doing and I know how long it's going to take me to do it. Um, but when it comes to nonfiction or uh, the other fiction, they all are, you know, kind of a creature amongst themselves. And especially with nonfiction, boy, I just love to do research and find those little nuggets and I want to get them in my story, but they don't always belong in the story, <laughs> you know, so then I take them out and then my editor or my agent will say, well, I need more information here. I'm like, but I just took it out of there. Now I'm going to put it back. And now you want me to take it out and then put it back. <laughs> I'm having more difficulty with the nonfiction just because of the, the wealth of information typically I can um, play with, but it's all about finding a thread um, and just like kind of simplifying the story for nonfiction. So uh, I think what's gotten a, a little bit easier is I'm 
trying to um, look at the projects that I'm working on. And instead of like, <laughs> instead of being excited about everything that I ever think of and every idea that comes in my head, I'm trying to like whittle them out before I start working on them. So I don't waste time on them. Oh, that um, is a, a good skill to develop. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so hard because for me, the idea is the most, my most favorite part, you know, is just getting that exciting light bulb mm-hmm. moment. And then my mind, you know, carries on and kind of plays it out. Um, but at some point I have to look at it and go, is this really what I want to say? Is this really me? Or am I just trying to kind of push a concept that's not working? So it's hard to give those up. Yeah. About how long does it take you to write one from beginning to end? Um, well, like the night befores, I typically have <clears throat> three to six months, but don't, don't tell Jane, <laughs> my editor, sometimes I, I just procrastinate a little bit. And then I use that energy of, oh my God, I have a deadline. I need to do this. And that prompts me to get it done. Um, I mean, you're hardly the only writer who works that way, I think. <laughs> well, I don't, I mean, that, that is a way to get going. It but, is. <laughs> Nothing yeah. motivates quite like a deadline. I know, I know. And, you know, I used to work in advertising, so it was all about deadlines and that's what got my spark going. So I'm, I'm just kind of applying it to children's books these days, but um, yeah, so those uh, can take me a month. Um, and then there's a lot of back and forth, you know, after I turn in my draft. Um, but then like a book, like when Jackie saved grand central that took seven years on and off. Oh, wow. Yeah. And part of it is putting it down while they're you know trying to find an illustrator. And then when they found an illustrator, then the illustrator, you know, would say, well, we don't need these words because I'm going to illustrate that. Can you take that out? But we need to still explain what's going on on this page. So then the back and forth started up again, mm-hmm. but that was about seven years in the making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing that I loved and was honestly very surprised by in the night before books, I went into them expecting them to feel very formulaic um, because mm-hmm. obviously they're all based on the same poem, uh, you know, the night before Christmas And I was very pleasantly surprised that they don't feel formulaic at all. And everyone very much encapsulates a completely new story, a completely new family and protagonist. And they were so sweet and genuine. Do you, is that difficult to accomplish? Like, is that something that you're constantly thinking of in doing these reimaginings of the night before Christmas to try to keep it from feeling formulaic? Um, or kind of how, how do you approach that? Well, what I try to do is pick out certain things about the original night before Christmas that people are familiar with. So the opening line, you know, was the night before and then whatever. And then I like to have, you know, there's always this scene, um, you know, about the kids nestled, um, <laughs> nestled in, in their beds with visions of blank in their heads. So that to me is the most fun part to write because I like I love to um, figure out what's you know dancing around in their heads, and then there's a couple of things I like to tap on, and it, but they're not the same things with each book, and I think that's why it doesn't feel like it's all like, set structure. But what I'm trying to do is just tap back to the original, but then 
I have to remember this isn't a classic story, it's a current story. And so I want to project or, you know, show like here's current traditions of holidays that we do, like parent busy parents are trying to, you know, fit a holiday in while they're trying to have their regular life too. So I think that's why I like to put in those little twists or um, little surprises. And that's what keeps it fresh. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, like a list a mile long of future night before books? <laughs> well, I, I've been, you know, throwing some suggestions towards Jane just to see what her feedback is before I start writing. So some of them have been thumbs up and some thumbs down, um, <laughs> I, you know, so I'm just waiting. Cause like the night before St. Patrick's day, I asked her, you know, for years, if I can do that. And they kept saying, Oh, no, it's not that popular in school. And, you know, it's more of an adult holiday. So, um, and then, you know, years and years later, I'm like, what about the night before St. Patrick's Day? Great. That's a great idea. Let's do it. And it's like like one of my better selling ones now. So that's funny. Um, I half expected that story to end with. And then one day my editor came to me and said, what about St. Patrick's Day? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, huh, I wonder where that idea came from. (laughs) But, you know, I I do get a lot of um, fans, I guess you'd call them because they contact me through Amazon or through my website and they'll suggest new ideas. Like teachers will say, you know, um, I, I love your back to school books, but now I'm teaching second grade and (laughs) your series ends at first grade. What about a second grade? So then I'll run it past Jane and see if that's, you know, something that could work or, you know, I'll just get people writing in and saying, you know, I, I noticed you don't have this holiday or Arbor Day or, you know, so it just, um, the ideas just keep coming. I bet. I bet. No, it's impossible. I mean, we sat and talked for a while. Like what, what other days would you girls like to see? Um, Mm. In fact, they actually come up with some fun ideas. Hey girls, come here for a second. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'd be interested. (laughs) To pull them away from their coloring now. Careful with the cord. Oh, oh, your coloring is beautiful. She's darling. (laughs) I wish you could see. <laughs> um, girls, do you remember what some of the ideas that you came up with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we should do the night before the fair day. Oh, like the state fair? Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like the state fair. Oh, that would be fun. Like, because I, of course, one of my favorite parts of the state fair is going to see the bunny rabbits. Of course. And, <laughs> so that's my favorite, favorite part. What's your favorite part uh, of the state fair? Going on the rides. Oh, yeah. Have yeah. you Um, how about the night before the visit to the grandparents? Oh, yeah. Well, that would be a good one too cuz I think in September there's actually like grandparent day. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Holidays for everything, so (laughs) I could tie it in. (laughs) And there's also like these days, there's a month for everything. Like there's Donut Month, and (laughs) yes, yes. (laughs) possibilities are endless. Yeah, and then once I'm done, then I could do the day after, right? (laughs) Yes, that's right. There you go. (laughs) All right, so we are going to wrap this up now with our Happy Writer bonus round. First question: What book makes you happy? Oh my gosh. 
Well, you know, I've been writing some joke books lately, and I really have fun with those. So I've been reading joke books, and I think, you know, just the play off of words and just the silliness, those make me happy. What is your personal mantra? Oh, boy. I think it's just keep going. You know, I there's so many times you're going to be rejected or so many times you're going to start and stop a story and maybe you'll pick it up a couple years later. But and there's also times where the pendulum swings like now we're looking for fairy tales and now we're not looking for fairy tales and now we want concept books, but now we don't. So if you stay in there long enough, (laughs) you might become current again. So I just keep going. How do you celebrate an accomplishment? Oh, well, before when I was in a writer's group and we all lived in the same area, now we live all in different states. Although with the pandemic, we got back together over Zoom, which I'm, I mean, that's one bonus of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But when we were together in a writer's group, whoever sold a manuscript would have to bring the cake. So (laughs) that is a great tradition. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Lastly, where can people find you? Yeah. Okay. So I've got an Instagram um, and I have a Pinterest and I also have a face Facebook author page. So it's, I don't know all the addresses offhand, um, but it's Natasha wings author page um, on Facebook. And I'm pretty, you know, I don't do a lot of um, platforms. So those are my basic ones. Mm-hmm. Natasha, thank you so much for joining us today. This was so much fun. Yes, it was a pleasure. And also to meet your twins. I'm so <laughs> glad they 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 had a way to relate to my books through the night before first grade. That's so cool. Definitely. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye, fingerlings. <laughs> Readers, be sure to check out Natasha's many picture books, including her newest, which we hardly touched on because there are so many things to talk about, Uh, but her newest is The Night Before the Wedding. Of course, we always encourage you to support your local indie bookstore if you can, but if you don't have a local indie, you can also check out our affiliate store at bookshop.org slash shop slash Marissa Meyer. If you're enjoying these conversations, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at Marissa Meyer author and at happy writer podcast until next time, please stay healthy and cozy in your bunkers and whatever life throws at you today. I do hope that now you're feeling a little bit happier. <laughs>